0: When, uh, when you hear the word repentance, what comes to mind? One, two, three, a word or short phrase. Anybody? Sorry. sorry that was the first one for me, too. Change. Change? It does sound like a religious word. The, the ones that I, I wrote down were sorry, godly sorrow, Change of heart that leads to a change of mind. There's that word change, Katie. A 180, a U turn, about face. I want to, and I think these are all phrases that, you know, a lot of us would have come up with, but I want to suggest one more word that should be connected with repentance. And it is a word that typically a person might not expect. We don't usually associate this word with repentance, but the word is joy maybe immediately your mind goes back to a time when you experienced deep repentance in your life and it led to joy. You know, we typically think of uh, repentance as something that's kind of gut wrenching and soul searching, and we may even associate it with tears. And a lot of times with deep repentance comes tears, maybe even bitter tears of regret. That That is certainly true. But also, Repentance leads to joy. Repentance is... organically connected with joy one author that I really like is Becky Pippert and in her book Hope Has Its Reasons which by the way I recommend I don't think that's a book that many people have even heard of much less read but it was very very meaningful to me but in in this book Hope Has Its Reasons Pippert shares a conversation that she had with an African man and she asked him a question that we all ask probably dozens of times a month she asked him how are you doing you know we ask that without even thinking about it sometimes how are you doing but this time came a very unusual answer to a typical question she asked her christian brother how are you doing and he responded repenting and rejoicing sister i think that is very insightful I think it is a terrific response, repenting and rejoicing, and I'm convinced that these two words do belong together, and I want to share with you for just a a few minutes how they are connected. If you have a Bible handy or a, a smartphone, I would invite you to turn with me to Psalm 32, and I want to read through and work through this psalm together this morning, but I really want you to do more than that. You know, the, the book of Psalms, this was Israel's prayer book, and this was Israel's song book. If you think of some of your favorite songs, you don't just read your favorite song. You experience a song, right? When it, when a song, isn't that right, Curtis? When a song works like it's supposed to, people experience that song. And this is a song to God, at least most of this uh chapter is. So I want to invite you to to let this psalm sink into your heart and soul, really experience this this morning. I'm going to begin in verse 1, Psalm 32. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them, and in whose spirit is no deceit. Now, this is a psalm of David. David, the writer, begins by acknowledging that there is a blessedness, a deep satisfaction in the life of the person who is right with God and who knows it, whose sins are forgiven, whose wrongs are covered and done away with and blotted out. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against him, exclamation point. I know that many, many of us, maybe most of us, maybe most all of us, have experienced this in real life, right? To be right with God and to know it, to know in a real way his forgiveness and experience his grace. It is an awesome thing to experience God's forgiveness in your life. And not awesome like we might say our favorite ice cream is awesome or even our favorite movie is awesome but really, truly awesome, awe-inspiring, and blessed, life-altering, destiny-changing kind of awesome. Some of us may even right now be thinking back to the time of our baptism, when we first put our faith in Jesus and repented of our sins, and were united with Jesus in his death, burial, and resurrection. Uh, Our beginning experience of God's grace and healing Or maybe you know what it is to repent with bitter tears after a period of rebellion against the Lord in your life. I think many of us have been there. It's kind of like setting a broken arm. You know, things have been in a state of diseased and disjointedness and then are made right and made well. There's a sense of rightness when you brought your sins to God for healing and forgiving. Things are now as they should be. It's like a broken bone has been set and is healing. David knew what it was like for things to be broken, to be in rebellion against God, and I can only assume he's talking about the period of his life in which he was involved in an adulterous relationship and then committed murder to cover it up when he wrote verses 3 and 4. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. As you read this, can't you just feel the, the weight of sin in David's life? I've never committed murder, at least not literally, although I have hated people, and Jesus talks about that in connection with murder. But I've never literally committed murder. I can't imagine how David must have felt after he did what he did. But his life is broken. There's a broken bone that hasn't been set. David's life has become characterized by rebellion and disarray. There's a hole in his soul. His spirit is diseased and withering. To put it another way, he's carrying a heavy, heavy burden. Guilt is weighing him down like somebody's tied a concrete block around to his neck. His shame is like a gorilla on his back. Maybe you've been there in your life. Maybe that's where you are today. But can't you hear the exhaustion and weariness in David's voice when he wrote, My bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. Day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Not a pretty picture at all, is it? But fortunately, this is not the last chapter in David's story. Let's continue reading in verse 5. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the guilt of my sin. Did you hear that? Did that sink in? You forgave the guilt of my sin. Verse 6, therefore let all Israel pray to you while you may be found. Surely the rising of the mighty waters will not reach them. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. Did somebody say amen to that? Surround me with songs of deliverance. Now in verses 8 and 9, there may be a change of voice. This may be, you know, David's been talking to God, but verses 8 and 9, it's a little bit debated, but this may be God talking to the people. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. Do not be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding, but must be controlled by bit and bridle, or they will not come to you. Don't be like unthinking horse and mule. Bring your sins to God. Please hear David's joy in verses 10 and 11. Many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the one who trusts in him. Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous, sing, all you who are upright in heart. It's appropriate, it's right and fitting that this psalm of repentance ends on a note of rejoicing. David had been in the pit, wallowing in guilt and shame and brokenness, but he has brought his sins to a merciful and forgiving God, and he experiences what he calls the joy of salvation. That's what he calls it in Psalm 51. Remember, he asked God, Restore to me the joy of my salvation. The joy of my salvation. The broken bone has been set by the great physician. The healing is happening, so David sounds the note of joy. There's a, there's a truth in here that we all need. Here's the bedrock reality. There is a never-ending stream of forgiveness flowing from the loving heart of God. The same God who went looking for Adam and Eve, his two children, after they had sinned and rebelled. The loving father who wanted reconciliation with David, so he sends a prophet to him to get things set right. He's our loving father. There is a never-ending stream of forgiveness that's flowing from the heart of God. And when we honestly repent and seek God's face, it is liberating. Receiving forgiveness is freeing in your life. This is a life truth. The U.S. Marshals Service has a program that... um, it's kind of an obscure thing. A lot of people have not heard about this, but it's a program called the Fugitive Slave Surrender Program. Um, I don't know if you've heard of this, but there was an article several years ago in USA Today on this, and I looked it up today. There are multiple articles about this program. People wanted by the police, people with outstanding warrants against them, are encouraged to turn themselves in at participating churches and houses of worship churches that are designated as safe surrender locations there are police waiting and in some cases even makeshift courtrooms are set up in church buildings the fugitives who turn themselves in don't automatically receive amnesty it's not a get out of jail free card but officials say the folks who willingly turn themselves in are often viewed favorably by the courts often receiving probation or reduced fines In some cases, they get job training or uh, substance abuse counseling referrals. Hundreds and even thousands of fugitives have turned themselves in under this program. As you can imagine, there are folks who've had warrants just hanging over their heads for years, in some cases for fairly minor offenses, uh, but people who've decided they want to deal with their situation and resolve things and put it behind them so they can breathe a little easier and just have some peace in their lives. And, I, and about this program, I think how appropriate that this takes place in a church building, a place where people often go when they are seeking God, uh, seeking forgiveness from a loving father. Um, when they want freedom and want to find grace, they realize their need for forgiveness. And a lot of times, folks in that situation show up at gatherings of the church. They want freedom, they want to find grace. They realize their need for forgiveness. And so some of these folks are pretty intimidated by a police station or a courtroom, but they think that in the place where the church meets, maybe they can summon up the courage to deal with their legal troubles. An article in the Cleveland Plain Dealer quoted some of the folks who had turned themselves in. Ivy McFadden, age 33, had been looking over her shoulder for years, having been cited for an open container of alcohol and marijuana in her car. She said, the total fear of police and not being able to get a driver's license or license plates or pass an employer's background check, I want this stuff off of me so I can progress. Gregory Moore, age 54 of Cleveland, was charged with forgery and drug abuse three years prior and then he failed to show up in court, which that happens in my, in my Monday through Friday job, I found that that happens a lot of times. People have a court date, and they're afraid to go, and they don't show up, and it ends up hanging over their heads until uh, they finally get caught. Well, Gregory Moore, the 54-year-old guy, said, you can't do anything when you have a warrant. Now I'm in treatment and signed up for college classes, so I'm hoping for probation. I can't even imagine what a burden has been lifted from these folks. It is in the place of grace that we can find courage to face our guilt and only in the place of grace. It is in the place of healing that we can face our disease. God offers freedom. Jesus means freedom. He gives liberty so we can be at peace. The old song says it right, burdens are lifted at Calvary. Jesus said, come to me you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Take my yoke for my yoke is easy and my burden is light and you will find rest for your souls. God is in the business of forgiving. It is who he is. It is what he does. He is the great physician who heals our souls. He is the loving father who rejoices when he sees the prodigal son on his way home. When we come to him in earnest repentance, we find freedom and joy. Maybe you find yourself in the position today of needing to have your joy renewed your burden lifted. Maybe you've been avoiding God because of shame or guilt or fear or regret or discouragement. Can't even summon up the courage to pray because all you can see is your sin and guilt. In just a moment, we're going to approach our merciful Father in prayer. And as a part of that, I want us to have a moment of silence so each of us can pray in the quietness of our hearts. Let's uh, talk to our Father together. Dear Father, today each of us confesses to you our sins and our need for forgiveness in the quietness of our hearts. You are merciful and loving, and also a righteous God. And we repent before you for our sins, our sinful thoughts, our sinful words, our wrong deeds, the things that we should have done but didn't. Father, we need your mercy and forgiveness. We need you. We pray that you would forgive us of our sins and heal us. Grant us a willing spirit that we might follow your ways, that we might share your story of forgiveness with other sinners who need to hear it. In the name of our Savior, we pray. Amen. Amen. Now, we're about to sing a song of encouragement, and if you have a burden on your heart that you need to share with God's family today or... You're, you've come to the place where you're ready to put your trust in Jesus and repent of your sins and be buried with Jesus, united with him in his death, burial, and resurrection and baptism, uh, you can just come forward. We're going to stand uh, and encourage you in song. Let's, let's sing together.